Yeah, we can kind of get the camera going because uh, have like maybe a nice homie like uh, Joe Rogan looking podcast. Almost looks like we're ripping off Josh's style. Well, we should definitely do that. He's done quite well, so you know, totally <laughs> rip, rip it off. That's why. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Good afternoon, good evening, good night. I have to look at the camera now. Welcome to Prairie Without Belts and this special long, long, long overdue version of the podcast. I'm on location at Asato Dojo with James, the, I don't know what, what, was, what is a good title for you. Uh, owner of the dojo. Owner of the dojo, uh, founder of the 100 Kata Day, twice over. Uh, creator of the dojo bar, the once in future place of, of international karate dome. Uh, Let's hope so. Founder of Bujin TV, breaker of chains, uh, king of the andals in the first one. Uh, think of what else we, we can give you. Uh, yeah, uh, coffee fan and um, wannabe martial artist. Wannabe, I wouldn't say wannabe. I think you, you're, the, you're the wannabe who got to be. It's one of those movies about a rock star. <laughs> This is kind of a watershed moment because um, first we got to train with our friend jo- Josh. That was a lot of fun. And that wasn't, we got most of it kind of on video. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was good. James just kind of kidnapped me from my my uh, hotel. It was like, we're going to hang out at 11. We're going to have dinner. Or we're going to have lunch. We're going to train. And not necessarily in that order. And so. We'll make the most of the day. And yeah, so I'm down in Okinawa after two years of just not being able to make it down here and talking to James. One thing I want to ask James, how the hell are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. As always, feeling uh, lucky to be here in Okinawa. And uh, obviously one of the great things about our shared passion, you know, for karate and martial arts is that it connects us to a lot of people. And we get to speak to a lot of people very regularly right, all around the world. And that's both blessing, but also it, you know, reminds us that lots of people are facing challenges everywhere. And honestly, I do think we're very fortunate to be here in Okinawa. Everybody faces, you know, their own local and daily challenges. But, you know, we have Corona here like everywhere. But, you know, I think we're doing we're doing okay compared to a lot of places. The sun's and, shining. Right. You know. And um, if anybody's worried, I'm 100%. He's half. So we're 75% vaccinated. Vaccinated. Mostly vaccinated. Yeah. All so, good. I mean, we're no worries. Yeah. We've been very socially distanced most of the day so no worries there recently what's training what have you been up to with training well we've been trying to keep our training going regular at the dojo obviously like everywhere else probably we've had a decline in numbers of people who are comfortable to come into the dojo and train we've had some periods of time short periods fortunately over the past two one and a half two years when we've had to stop training the dojo and go online but we've been mostly able to continue a regular training pattern here in the dojo and contact with our students, so that's been that's been very good. Of course, the upside of the fact that a lot of people have gone online for a lot of things is that actually, I would say, in some ways, you know, we've been forced to go online more, and we've learned to exploit that more, right, and to make the most of it. And so, when I think about it, and actually, when we look at the evidence, you know, the amount of online times we get online and train with people and share knowledge, in some ways, you know, it's been a very productive. 
past 18 months, two years. I think that's going to continue, right? Wherever we end up going, and you're going up to the mainland now. Well, that's, <laughs> um, that's the rumor. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, you're right. But we're still going to be very much connected, right? And that's actually the thing that one of the things that's changed, I think, for the, for the, for the positive is that even people like myself who, honestly, I don't, I'm not the kind of person who like wakes up and thinks, who can I talk to today? I'm a bit of a loner. I sort of prefer to have my time to myself, if I'm honest. However, I know now that there's always going to be a benefit or something I'm going to take out of getting online with people. And so I'm a lot less reticent to do that than I would have been before. Honestly, two years ago, if somebody said, hey, let's get online and train together, I would have been a lot more reticent about it. And I'm a lot more open to it now. So, Well, that's interesting because let's go back a little bit. Because you just said you're much more of a loner. But since I've known you, and I think a lot of people who have known you, it's almost the, the exact opposite. Yeah. Because you have, you know, you're trained karate for a long, long time, most, probably most of your adult life, yeah. a little bit from your, from your, from your childhood. And um, that, that's a tech a lot of people who do martial arts have. They're, it's very much the singularity. You know, you're always part of the community, but it's also something that's yeah. also very personal. But it's interesting to hear that you describe yourself as a loner, yet everything you've done for karate mm. has been a way to, to contribute and build up community. Given a choice, given a choice of spending my time alone or, or going out and finding somebody to spend time with, I will tend to spend my time alone. I like my own time. Right. right? And I probably always will. However, you don't... You know, interactions with other people are what make you really learn and grow. You know, there's a certain amount that you can do by yourself. You can self-educate, you know, you do things like this. But it's interactions with other people. Sometimes, even if those interactions are a little bit difficult and uncomfortable, that actually make you grow. And and I'm not saying that every interaction <laughs> for me, every act, interaction with people is difficult. No, it's not. It's 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 a great pleasure. But I am the kind of person who who sort of left on my own devices and being a bit lazy, I would tend to be more like, hey, I just want to spend time with myself. Right. Having said that, as you say, since, particularly since I've come to Okinawa, I have realized the benefit of um, kind of establishing places where people can meet and interact with each other. The dojo bar was all about that. My dojo is also about that. You know, My dojo from the start was about, hey, let's have an open dojo that people can come into freely and we can interact and train together and learn from each other. So I know that that's enormously valuable. I suppose I almost have to engineer situations where that's inev- inevitably going to happen. Right. And then if I engineer that situation, then I know I'll, I'll benefit from it and we'll benefit from it. So it's kind of a, you're doing this for your benefit, but at the same time, that benefit makes you social. And because it's ipso facto, you have to be social in order to gain those benefits. <laughs> And then you kind of, you you're mixing it together, so you you are fulfilling those desires, but at the same time, you're still kind of left in that loner situation. Which I feel I feel there's a lot of people who are like that. Like if you talk to a I lot think, of people, I think my character is such that I don't I don't I, okay. So here's the thing: I don't feel the need to show everybody what I'm doing, demonstrate to everybody what I'm doing, right. kind of receive approval for things. You've never seen you do much much of yeah. that. You've always seemed to spotlight different things yeah but you've never been like this is the kata that i do 
This yeah. is the training that we do, yeah. right? It, yeah. I've never so seen... I, I don't go out of my way to seek approval. So I suppose in that way, what I'm learning and training is not to be measured by what other people think of it. Although now and again, of course, we end up in that situation if we end up in a testing situation or a demonstration or whatever. Um, or indeed in a teaching situation. Right? That's also, of course, a test of yourself as much as anybody else. Training and interaction with other people is is definitely beneficial. And um, so, and I think when you start training, whether you're, particularly as a young person, when you start training, you're not really thinking about the benefit of training for other people. You're thinking about the benefit for yourself. Right. And that's fine. That's your primary motivation. But over time, you realize that actually there are benefits to the other people around you. And also, that because they're pursuing the same, same thing, you benefit from that. Right. And that's where you start to learn empathy. Right. You start to learn that there's a value in understanding how other people feel and think as well. If you don't have any human interaction, you'll never develop that. Right. right. And that's an incredibly, actually, important quality. It's especially now with like people are. We, we don't realize it right now because we're all like, ah, the thing. But that's a that's a sincerely... Because we're getting so singular in what we do as a society. Zoom training, social distancing, all this other nonsense. Not nonsense, but all this other stuff, yeah. right? It is more difficult to get people to understand that you are a part of that community, that you are a part of whether or not it's digitally or not. But what's interesting is that understanding need to bring that community either together or be a part of that but not doing it necessarily because you are the guy i think there's been a lot of situations especially with karate especially with people who are outside of okinawan culture to a degree or japanese culture mm. who think just because i am guy who does karate mm. ergo i will be successful at opening a dojo for example right yeah that didn't seem to be your attack when you went into like the bar you seem to just be like, I want to open this bar because I don't want to just go to Charedo and buy a gi. <laughs> Which I was like, and I remember you describing that yeah. about your first trip down here. And it was like, yeah. yeah, I found one guy and I trained with him and I bought a couple gis and went back home. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. That was, that was what the dojo bar idea was, was born out of, was the idea that you travel all this way to Okinawa. When you get here, you know, you search around. If you went to Charedo, that's probably the place where you might have had a few chance encounters that you know where you met some local people some local teachers maybe you connected to a teacher here but it always felt like there was a gap it always felt like hey what if there was a place where if you went there you knew that other people were like-minded kind would be there and so that was what the dojo bar was about right and and, and i'd heard that there had been places in the past run and owned by karate karate people in okinawa and if you knew that was a place where you went after training, because that's where everybody else was going for a beer and a pizza or whatever. So it just seemed like a really good idea. And it, to me, it was just like, look, if that place existed, I would be there right now. Right. But it doesn't exist, so, so let's create it, let's make it. And what motivated the move? I know you've got family ties down here, but yeah. was that what motivated the move down? Because I know you've been all over Japan. Um, but was that what motivated? Was that what you're like we're going to go down to Okinawa and I'm going to open a bar and call it the dojo? Bar. No, when we moved here, um, the dojo bar as an idea hadn't even really been born. I mean, we moved to Okinawa because it was for for lifestyle, it was for quality of life, right. kids' education. It was because I knew that there was good, you know, karate training to be to be had here. But primarily, it was it was about family. Uh, also, my wife's 
family business kind of needed the next generation to come along and, and pick up the reins. And when we landed here, and for the first year or so, I was working with my wife in the family business. Uh, nothing to do with martial arts, nothing to do with karate. Over time, as I was here, the sort of the things that I remembered from my visits here and the things that I was experiencing started to coalesce. Well, along with, you know, the fact that I, I'd worked through in bars and clubs to pay my way through university. So, and so I had a bit of experience of, of those kind of businesses. I knew they were pretty straightforward. And, uh, you know, and that gave me the confidence to decide to sort of strike out on my own and, and open that kind of business here. Doing that, did you feel that there was going to be any big pushback? Did you feel that there was going to be a, a more of a harder climb? Did you feel like locals would be offended by it? Or like kind of, um, kind of point out the, the elephant in the room is that it's a foreigner opening <laughs> a bar in Okinawa based on one of its most important cultural assets. Yeah. You know, a foreigner open a bar in Okinawa is not that unusual, right? Right. But a bar called the Dojo Bar, a bar specifically about karate, yeah, that was another step, that was another leap. And when I heard, when I, when I sort of bounced the idea off of my, my Okinawan karate teacher and a few other Okinawans that I knew was getting to know well, initially they were, about, they were a bit like, hmm, ah, yeah, tricky combination. Uh, but then it, then it sort of became, well, look, if you were Okinawan, you wouldn't get away with it. But as a foreigner, yeah, that might work. So it was a bit sort of like, well, as a foreigner, maybe you can do something here that a local couldn't do because of the sort of the blowback. But that's interesting because, I mean, walk out to Koksaidori and then you have like Mensore, Itarasha, and, you know, people doing the sanchin and the drums and the yeah. taiko, and things that would be considered touristy. Yeah. Right? And that's using the culture to a degree for that. And yeah. that's neither, that's not negative or positive. That's just yeah. what that is. That's interesting to say that they couldn't do that with karate. Well, or that doesn't happen. People that so in, in Okinawa, as you well know, you know, um, you don't just sort of breeze into a dojo, train, and leave again. Right. You know, you have to make a commitment to a dojo in order to usually to receive instruction. So, so it's not just like a walk in, sort of learn and then leave. Right. You have to become a member of the dojo and therefore. Um, sort of subject yourself to the leadership of your sensei, yeah? and therefore the approval of your sensei. If you want to open your own dojo, you need the approval of your sensei to even consider doing it. Uh, and, and if you want to do something commercially related to karate, you, you definitely need to have the approval of your teacher. Now, so, and, and the culture therefore here is more of, I suppose people are a bit reticent to to do something different or innovative because if, if they have this idea and they ask for permission and they get denied, that puts them in a very difficult position. Right. right? Particularly if it's something that they feel they really want to do, but their teacher has said, no, don't do that. Then they're in a difficult place. Right? So I actually think one of the reasons why more Okinawans don't train in martial arts here in Okinawa is because of the burden of membership of a dojo. Yeah. I've spoken to a few Okinawans who were like, I'm really interested in karate, I'd like to give it a try, but I'm worried about if I don't like it, how difficult it would be for me to then quit from the dojo. And because they don't want to deal with the trauma or the difficulty of leaving a dojo... The social fabric. Yeah, they don't join in the first place. So that kind of gives you an indication of like maybe the overhead the obligation that um, Okinawans feel about getting involved in martial arts in, in, in Okinawa. Which is not something a lot of people who 
either from you know, where I'm from or where you're from necessarily yeah. feel it's just yeah. part of a club or part of what you exactly. do as opposed to social Perhaps in other places, you know, joining a dojo is more just like a, more of a financial transaction. Yeah. I pay my membership, I receive instruction. When I stop paying my membership, I stop receiving instruction. Well, in Okinawa, as you know, many dojos don't really have a commercial basis. If there's fees, they're often just nominal. They're, they're a nod towards... There's just an affirmation of membership. So it's a different there's a different emphasis there. Often, the dojo itself is inside the teacher's house. So every time you go to the dojo, it's like he's receiving you personally into his space. Literally. So, so again, that, that creates an enormous amount of obligation. You know, Because every time he does that, it's, it's a, an act of hospitality and generosity on his part you know and it builds up obligation so so for, for these reasons i think maybe that a local will be less adventurous about exploring that, slightly different angles and aspects of karate culture right. within okinawa as a foreigner you get more license which is what it is like i, I want to say that's important some people would be like that's disrespectful and some people well that's awesome but well you know, yeah. you know it's like it's sort of the eight out of ten cats rule. When they're, when they're putting cat food on the market, if right. eight out of ten cats like it, it's a successful cat food. Right? I don't know if that's from America or the UK, but I, this is the first time I'm hearing this rule. I mean, like, cats are pretty picky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm more of a dog person. So you know, when I opened the dojo bar, of course, a lot of people were a little bit like, "Wow, what's this kind of place?" A bit cautious about it. But once people had been there and enjoyed it and experienced it. I would say 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 people thought it was great. And I'm talking mainly about local people to start with because when I opened, there were far fewer visitors coming to Okinawa and it took a while for people to find the place anyway, right? So so initially, probably the first year or two, it was visitors and locals discovering the place equally. And yeah, most that came thought it was a good idea. So. Do you feel it helped create kind of a landing ground for a lot more people coming in for karate? Yeah, absolutely. And that was very much sort of one of, from the start, one of the important functions of it for me. It was uh, medatsu in Japanese. It stood out. It was okay. easy to find. It was a bit of a landmark. On a, um, on a pretty convenient corner. Yeah, exactly. So location-wise, you know, I chose that specifically, that it was in a place where karate people who were heading to Shiredo, etc., were likely to find it. I named it so that it would be easy to find, easy to remember. Although I had quite a lot of locals calling it the judo bar for a while, but hey, they were remembering something, so that was fine. But that was the point. That was the point, is that it stood out, it was easy to find, and so people would get there. And then, for me, what the thing I realized with dojo bar is if people come in and actually have an, ex, an experience that exceeds what they expected, then they're really happy, and then they'll tell their friends about it, and it will grow. So we come into the dojo bar, and they, they, they um, and myself or my staff there, you know, we're able to give them information, local information. Oh, you know, about teachers, events, places to go and see. You know, where to go and buy the best value shisa. Where to get this? Where to get that? You know, all that kind of stuff. And it's all more than they expected, um, and that's the value of the dojo bar. So you know, it's a network effect, right? The more people go, the more information and more friendship, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, is is there to be shared. Now, there's one thing I want to ask. I've never asked you this when you had the dojo bar. Did you intend to have a nonstop ninety, like late nineties, early two thousands soundtrack playing in there, like <laughs> most of the time, or was it only that the case when I was there? 
I, uh... Because for whatever reason, <laughs> I just remember it was like, this is late 90s, early 2000s, music, just all the time. I'm like, was that just the one CD you had? <laughs> could have been, could have been. I, it might have been the case that's a... a of us settling on a, on a playlist we were, we were comfortable with and then being a bit too lazy with it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, that, I mean, that naturally progressed from there to here, where we're sitting right now, literally yeah. across the street. Yeah. And honestly, what I would say is, is like, you see your standard for, like, a place for training. I mean, you got the mats, you got everything. This is a little back office type area. Yeah. You just chill out. Got a clock room. <laughs> but the... What sparked the idea for, because it's one thing to open a bar, but it's another thing to open a running school. And was that always the intention there? Or was that, what what made that go to that? I think opening a dojo is, or it should be, a very personal decision. I think, obviously some people open dojos as businesses, a commercial business. And, and this dojo, you know, has to make a bit of money. We have to pay rent. So, you know, we have to sort of have a, you know, an underpinning for it. I think opening a dojo should be should be something that you do when you feel you're ready for it, when you feel like it's the right thing to do. And that was very much the case here, you know. So obviously with the dojo bar running and lots of people coming to visit and lots of people therefore presenting sort of cross-training opportunities, opportunities to, to, to share information, share training with different people. You know, and we go to the Budokan and do that or we go to the Kaikan and do that or go to different dojos and do that of course my consistent main training style is Shoranu Karate which I like and I think that would always be uh, a very significant part of my training and what I do and the sort of style I do things but also as you train you realize the value of cross training I do think if you insist on, on keeping a very narrow view in your martial arts training that actually it, it dwindles so over time you learn less and less and less because there's less and less to learn within any style, right? Right, and like that's, I mean, that's the ultimate burnout, yeah. right? That's the ultimate, everyone's like, well, I learned all the katas. Yeah. Or I learned all that and, that and this and that, right? right. I, don't, I don't have to do any of that. Exactly, anymore. exactly. So I think you have to, you should naturally accept that, that um, you need to like have a fresh injection of insight or a fresh injection of energy or comparative perspective on what you're doing, right? Um, and uh, so cross-training is... At a certain point, cross-training becomes a very necessary part of what you do in order to keep progressing. And um, so that's really what, for me, my dojo space was about. Because if you're using somebody else's dojo space or a public dojo space, you can only go so far in crafting like what happens then. Right. Yeah. The do- my dojo here is, is the environment I craft to try and encourage the, the kind of level of cross-training and training that, that I think is, a, is the right thing to do. And that's tough because it's like a lot of people will be purists or a lot of people will say, well, we already have enough or they don't want to have other people influence their other students, da 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 But what's interesting here, and maybe you can clear the books for us a little on this, because and so, cause a lot of people will say, well, in Okinawa, X, Y, Z, been there or they don't yeah. have the language or they've only been, like, been there for a visit one time yeah. and so people don't cross train or whatever. Especially as someone who is both non-native Okinawan, but also is teaching karate to Okinawans and cross-training and mm. like and being representative of like five different things at once, mm. do you feel you get flack for that? Do you feel that the community here has been ambivalent, supportive? 
Um, well, first of all, I think it's it's it would yes, I think it would be very very easy and entirely justified for people that take a position here that you should just commit yourself to one style and be loyal to that style to look at um, what we do here, what I do, and say, oh, you know, that based on those standards, say, you know, you're jumping around too much or you're not being loyal. So of course that's going to happen. I know that happens. It's it's a difference in conversely, I would look the other way and say. You know, your returns from your training are, are, are dwindling and dwindling. Um, for me, I want to craft a path that is that is a path of progress, and also, and to a certain extent, also trying to validate what I'm what I'm being taught or what I think I'm learning. Right? You don't really get to, to really validate things if you only just operate within a very small environment all the time. Right, and then that becomes like weirdly incestuous to a degree because yeah, it, it, it if you don't, I found this especially. When you're told this is the only thing you need to do, yeah. because it's got everything. Yeah. We have everything. We don't need anything else. Yeah. And then it's kind of like saying, "Well, you don't need to. You know, you're just locked into this one thing. You're just locked into this one way of doing things for the rest of your life." We need to remember that this idea that you should be loyal to a ryuha, right, right, is is a relatively modern concept. Yeah. Here too. Yeah. So first off, there were no ryuha here. The idea of ryuha sort of Somehow came into into it really came it really came into um, practice when Okinawan martial arts encountered Japanese martial arts. So around the time that Funakoshi and Kano Kano sort of met and started that transfer of customs and 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 culture between the judo culture and and the karate culture, you know, and we we recognise that right. We know that dogies and belts and the Q dance system and so many other things. Are transfers from traditional Japanese culture into Okinawan karate culture. Right. And there's no dispute about that. It's a historical record. So we also know that many of the teachers that we now revere as founders of our modern traditional arts cross trained. They went and learned from, from all kinds of different teachers. Uh, I trained principally or mostly in, in uh, Matsubashi, Matsubashi Shorinru, and the founder of that, Nagamini Shoshin, documented at least four or five major teachers. But if you actually read through his history, there were probably twice as many as that. Well, what's interesting is his history, I think, if I don't know if I'm right or wrong on this, I think this is like the first time... How specific was he in getting that book translated into English? How specific? Because I feel like that was the oh, only place okay. I've seen so, like, so Morot- the, like Morotobu and like yeah. Araki and some of those other guys, yeah. spe- those stories specifically talked about. Ah, like right. I was in a dojo for five years when I was a kid. Right. Saw Morotobu on the, on the wall. Yeah. Had no idea who he was, what the story was, and until I bought the book yeah. and read him. Like, you did that? There's this story with the boxer? Yeah. Holy moly. <laughs> but So I'm like, I feel like that book is invaluable to understanding like yeah. that Okinawan karate was just built on cross-training to begin with. Absolutely. And what their form of cross-training was is what they had around. And I think Nagamine, like Funakoshi, probably found himself in a sort of a paradoxical position, right? Because in writing the book, he was in fact consolidating and in fact creating a limited identity for what he did. Right. It's like, this is the book of Matsubashi Karate. In other words, if it's in the book, it's canon. If it's out, if it didn't make it into the book, it's not canon. It's a very easy definition to make, right? But it's a book. It's a snapshot point in time. Right. Yeah. And is it is it likely that Nagamini Shoshin Sensei, who spent his entire life basically training martial arts, was a policeman, then was a community leader, at the end became somewhat of a almost a 
you know, he, he very much in his elderly life was all about Zen and the value of Zen meditation. Do you think that he got all of that into a book? Well, no, of course not. That, I mean, that book is, I mean, it's mostly instructional on the... It lays out a framework. Yeah. Yeah. And it tries to say, okay, I want to show you the way that I do this. We do this in our dojo now. But there are, even within that book alone, there are gaps from, say, the standard kind of training canon that Matsumashiro dojos do today. So, for example, the warm-up sequences and that sort of thing is not really covered in that book so right. much. Yeah? There is nothing in there much about Bunkai. proliferation of the styles outside of Okinawa created more of a crystallization effect and kind of a weird gestalt of like this is this thing but it's not the thing but it's not going to look like the thing but it tries to look like the thing and then it's always people trying to look like the authentic thing but they're always not getting there and then so they're stuck in this like constant loophole or this constant loop of like I need to find the original thing. I need to go to Okinawa to find the original thing. Well, I can't find it here. Well, where is it? And da, da, da. Well, I mean, it's a case of many, 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 many people either being told explicitly or resulting, resorting to, you know, authority by association. I am associated with this teacher who is the source of this. Therefore, I'm claiming authority on this, on this point, or on this, 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 this area. And, you know, that happens just as much here in Okinawa as it does elsewhere. In martial arts, I think we face a constant challenge and choice, which is to try, which is to try and either, you know, resort to authority by association, you know, association with somebody else's reputation, or to try and achieve authority through uh, proof, through testing, you know, through actually, you know, stress testing and what we do and what we know. Um, and it's, we all, to some extent, have a mix of both in what we do. Because it's extremely testing and tasking to be able to verify everything that we do ourselves. You know, that, you know we, we look to tradition because we don't want to have to recreate the wheel all the time, right? So we have to try and, we have to make some assumptions about, okay, this has been proven. So let's accept that and then build on top. Yeah? But if in everything we do, we just go, that's correct because somebody says so. And we never verify anything, then you know, it's a house of cards, right? Right. Yeah? So that's the struggle that we face as sort of traditional martial artists, right? And, yeah. I, and I feel like that term, traditional martial artists, gets shoehorned into, you only do this, rather than you're taking this and then continuing the tradition yeah. in that the tradition is maintaining it but constantly changing. Yeah. Which is a difficult thing for people to get their head around. It's, a weird, it's weird to think that people have a difficult time getting their head around this because as we were kind of talking earlier today, you know, we were talking about like punching and stuff like mm. that and just how people have always said, well, that's just boxing and that's just that. I'm like, what's wrong with boxing? You ever fight, you don't want to fight a boxer? Humans, humans hit each other in pretty much the same way wherever you go you know yeah. like the way that two stand up primates 
physically fight. Yeah, doesn't change so much wherever you go, right? So we got to find we got to find a way of fighting centaurs. That's the next, <laughs> that's the next problem. Um, <laughs> Man has four legs. Saw so this great just saw this great video the other day of two young gorillas kind of just wrestling and sparring, and um, one of them goes down, goes for a heel hook, uh, misses that, goes to the other heel hook. Pushes and pushes the other one to the floor. Like those guys didn't get never karate went training. to a dojo. <laughs> never yeah. got karate training. They're just fighting naturally, and it's a natural expression. They're, they're not fighting. Yeah, they're just they're playing, just playing and play fighting, right? Exactly what we do, right? And well, that's that's one of the tests, right? Can we make it work in it naturally? Yeah. It, this is the one of the problems with with um, building what we what we do based on too many assumptions of authority because of reputation. We need to like get down and, and test things down again. Yeah? Does it feel natural? Can I pull it off? Can I make it work against any level of resistance? Yeah? Can I make it work? Actually, theoretically, I can I can imagine it. Okay, in a kata mode, I can perform it. Okay, in a in, in a two man kata, I can perform it very slowly. All right, now can I make it work at any increased level of speed and resistance? Speed and resistance, and that should be. That should be a that should be a large part of our training. Now, the challenge is if I've got twenty odd kata that are part of my canon, then then doing that process with twenty odd kata is just. I it, mean, if I don't do this full time all the time, I've got lots of people around me doing the same thing. It just isn't possible. So, so what what we have now because of the need to preserve things is this focus on the. We talked about the Hozong kind, the preservation yeah. societies. Um, Which aren't bad things. Yeah, they're not bad things. I'm not a fan of preservation societies because although the intention is good, i.e. don't lose the learning from the past, the focus becomes on don't lose anything. And so they keep everything because they have no way of saying, okay, this, this is the stuff that's not so good, we should lose this and just focus on the stuff that's worth keeping. They don't do that filter. Right. So they keep everything. And of course, that tends to stagnate. It's kind of like karate hoarding, yeah. to a degree, and because it's like you don't have like it's not like art, you know what I mean? Where it's like you can't just put it on the wall. Mm. You have to physically; it has to be in people's bones, yeah. and it has to be work in their bones. And so you have to have like I'm not opposed to like I've seen this kind of work where it's like you have an organization, you have five people, and like all right, you're the bow guy, you're the side guy, you're the comma guy. Yeah. Two of those people get mad and leave and go go somewhere else. You're the bow and comma guy. You're the that <laughs> one guy leaves. Two other people come in. Yeah. Those two people who are left are kind of mad because those two people are new or whatever. Yeah. And so it, I, I I can firmly agree with that. It just becomes like, all right, then what do we save? What do we leave? Yeah. What do we just put on record and hold on to? Because I think like you can hold on to a lot of stuff, but that's not necessarily a thing. Focus on and make what you do every time. You have to have that focus to be able to get there, but also keep it broad. So the, truth, the truth is, if we look at significant figures, if we just even look at significant figures in Okinawan karate history, right. which is a narrow field based on the world of martial arts, right? it's, it's one of hundreds, possibly thousands of timelines of history, right? but it's right. the one that we know best. Right? So let's take that one. Okay. Think about the people that, who've made a significant contribution and and, and become a significant part of those lineages in history. They're almost always there, not because they just 
preserve things in glass, but because they took it and added an interpretation to it and created a new school. Kunikoshi literally renaming all of right. the katas to make them sound more Japanese. Uechi-sensei created Uechi-ryu. Right. It was something different before. Nagumini Shoshin created Matsubashi-ryu. It was a number of different things before. Shimabukuro-sensei created Ishinu. Right. It was a number of things before. I, I, you know. Goes on. Miyagi-sensei created Goju-ryu. Right? It was a number of different things before. Now okay. it's Cobra Kai. Right. So what's the function What's the objective of each generation? Surely it is to become an effective filter, to take what we learn from history, yeah, and to filter and enhance it, to refine it, right? Onkol Chishin, Onkol Chishin, we use this phrase a lot, right? Onkol Chishin. If you look at the characters, so on means to boil up or to cook up or to heat up things, right? Literally, like to refine things to produce something new. Think literally, like think of it as still. You know, a whiskey still, right? You put in a bunch of stuff, you boil it up, and you get even better stuff come out of the top. So I think, do you think now we're kind of at the point where everything's in the pot, but the heat's not on? No, no, I think the process is ongoing. It's happening all the time. We can look, we can always find, we can always find the stagnant pool, stuff that's not going anywhere, right? Um, But increasingly, it's easier to find the stuff that is happening because it bubbles up through the information right. network and people go, did you see that? That's really cool. Which leads us to... Did you see that? Yeah. Did you see that? And that's why connection comes circle back. Right? Yeah. If you're only by yourself, you learn something, but you're not really going to go anywhere. Even if you like being by yourself, you have to recognize that yeah. this process of this, this bubbling up and filtering of either an interpretation which helps you to understand something better or a synthesis which actually progresses something. Every generation's kata... Making sure it's okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> every generation's kata... Every generation creates kata. Let's take kata as one, right, one right. of the outputs. Interpretation which helps you to understand something better or a synthesis which actually progresses something. Every generation's kata... Making sure it's okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> every generation's kata... Every generation creates kata. Let's take kata as one, right, one right. of the outputs. It's by no means the only output, but Ooh. it's one that's familiar with many of us. I mean, every generation's kata is a synthesis of things that have come before, but hopefully, in somehow, some way, slightly better than what came before. Sometimes significantly better. And you should be able to look at it and just go, that's better. The police, the karate police are coming yeah, after you right police. now. They can hear it. <laughs> Most of this, as I was talking with Sal the other day, is just propaganda towards a new generation. We're leading a revolution here. (laughs) There's going to be pushback. Even if you don't feel like the innovator yourself, right? Yeah. I mean, if you you can be inspired by people who are, then then everybody, everybody sort of is uplifted together, right? Right. Like, even if, like, you're not the one who... If you're... Even participating, which there's some problems with that I feel now because of social media and there's some like parasocial issues with that. But um, even participating in what's being put out now, yeah. like if you participate, then you're a contributor yes. to a degree, yeah. right? You might not be creating, but if you I, if you're creating a drill, you're creating an ikata, and yeah. other people are learning from you. Yeah. Um, 
and even in our like distanced world now where think people are picking things up digitally or like this whole idea of learning kind of through video and whatnot which uh, I talked with our friend Christian about a little um, you can create something and have no contact with somebody else who's picking it up and then well, that's, that's changing that's all that's almost like a permeation in itself well that's been happening since cavemen scratched pictures on walls yeah you know like if you don't think that a caveman scratching a picture of him holding a spear and killing a buffalo with it didn't have somebody else go, you can kill buffalo with spears? Yeah. It's been happening forever. Yeah. Scrolls, books, now we have video. Yeah. You know, soon it'll be, soon it'll be holographic. Soon it'll be, literally we'll be injecting it into our, into our thoughts. This man believes that we will be psychically speaking to each other in 10 years. Well, why wouldn't we? Right. Let's say let's say you're a really inspiring, amazing martial artist. Ten years from now, hopefully, believe it. <laughs> but let's say you are right? right, and I I travel all the way around the world. Um, I'm like I really want to learn from you. Right, so the digital world, I don't need to go anymore. But let's put that to the side. Right. right. I really want to learn from you. And what's the best way to do that? Will you go? Well, I've got it all sorted out in my head. I've got the patterns. I've got. I've learned the way that I want to do this. Let me just give that to you. Right? Am I going to go? No, 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 no. no what I'd like to do is um, is spend ten years watching you, and you use words to try to explain to me what you think that what the concept. I mean, which one are you going to choose? And if you're able to do so, then you're just going to basically be able to give, give you that because the objective is, is is to try to share and educate. Right? And and what's interesting there is that like because we're kind of future. <laughs> future cast future karate cast where it's like those kinds of connections what, what is the I think the vocal fear of what today is is that we are losing that connection through social media through through everything but it's weird to think a year after we started with like the Bujin project yeah right how like I just, we're connected with that now we're connected with a bunch of other people mm. around the world yeah we wouldn't a year ago. We wouldn't talk to. We wouldn't know. We would no. just been like, hey, "Who's that jerk on you know Instagram?" Right. I always, you know, he's one of my good friends who like we're always like stream, stream, streaming every <laughs> Friday if possible. I think I think a reaction to an overwhelming increase in information is to try to push everything back. Right. Right. You know. You know. Rather, you know, the difficult thing is to is to filter. There's so much information. And often the information that you notice is the stuff that's more sensational, right? Right, and and that and often it's engineered to be that way, yeah, because that sells advertising, etc., etc., etc. But the thing is, is that actually, um, there's there actually we have an ever increasing, improving mechanism for validating what's good and useful and what's not, which is our, our network, right? Yeah. So if you if you have a community around something, then the the, the net uh, benefit of the community is that it acts like uh, a review system, acts like a filter, right? And it, and often you can't always necessarily just trust it, but you have to have an input into it. But very often the community will, will work together to go, yeah, what do we think about this? What do we think of this thing? Are you going to copy this? Are you going to do this? Yeah, I like this. I'm going to do this. Or that's just 
that's just not, not good. And it's, it's, and it's good kind of community through consensus in that degree. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a, because then you have, and what's inter- interesting is the old stereotypes where like, I hate to even say this, but it's like, uh, like people would be like, Japanese, Okinawan karate, people would be like, Japanese karate, meh. But then it's like, people were, we were copying today in our training <laughs> are also those, those people, I don't think you're so much of this, but people who I've worked with, like, <laughs> those people, don't worry about it. But just how they themselves, and through kind of the topic of this conversation, have evolved and changed yeah. and created something new yeah. from those percolation points. Yeah. So we all owe you a great debt to creating those communities from the dojo bar to here to Bujin to creating those communities. And then also not the 100 Pada days. Just got to shout that out there too. Sure. Because yes. I. So many people who have no idea who you are were like, we're going to do this. Yeah, I've got a hundred times. I'm just waiting for you to be like, all right, a hundred kumite. <laughs> we're going to do the hundred kumite day. I like the idea. <laughs> Me too. This is a matter of, you can't do, you can't do that by yourself. hundred kumite. <laughs> that could work out too. That could work out a little harder, but, yeah. but get, people could get creative. What I'm thinking is we do, uh, I don't know if you've ever had the, Labor Day marathon. You know what that is? No. So in America, we had like it's like all day on Labor Day, where right. it's like you have like rows of celebrities that are on like the phones and picking up the phones. Oh, it's like so a charity thing. Kind or? of, yeah. Right. So okay. I'm li- in live pitching this idea to you. <laughs> <laughs> but cool, man. Cool. Uh, James, thank you so much for doing this. One Thanks, question: Jeff. what What's your training going to be like for the rest of this week? Uh so it's. Uh, combination of uh, teaching in the, in the evenings I need to I honestly need to get back and do a little bit more weight training I haven't done so much of that recently um, a lot t- of what t- I today we <laughs> there will be video later of, of, of three of three men <laughs> mid 30s up hitting a tire hitting a tire with hands um, yeah I mean you know movement hojundo traditional hojundo and um, as much as possible hands on training right. I mean uh Right now, I like to build a lot from kakie. Um, so uh, those are the those are the kind of the fun elements. Um, but I also, you know, I don't do so much kata practice in my training. Um, and sometimes I think I need to do a little more just to sort of retain the patterns. Um, so I kind of have a love hate hate's a bit strong, but a sort of an on and off kind of. Uh, love affair with with kata. <laughs> Good way to put it. But you're not the only one. I feel because I think there's there's people, plenty of people out there who are like, I know all the kata, all the 180 kata yeah. that whatever Ru has, and then they'll be that way for like a year or two, and then after it's like, yeah, five of those kata I actually yeah. know. Yeah. So yeah. I, I 100% get that that <laughs> feeling. Yeah. All right. But I, I want to thank you for um, for taking the time to come here. It's been a just a pretty fun chat. You kidnapped me. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I'm going to say this at the end here is James went out of his way to make sure that I got to the dojo. I got to train. We got to hang out with Josh. We got to do this. And we, got, we were going out to dinner. And James, you could not be more the embodiment of hospitality and the embodiment of what it means for karate to, to go out into the world. So I want to say thank you. My pleasure. 
And uh, to everybody else, uh, thank you for listening, and don't forget to keep training. Thank you.